edge and defensive tackle day here on the basement talk podcast fantasy show 10 days away jake 10 days until the nfl draft begins in las vegas nevada for jake jake how are we sir tired i i think i just can't wait for this draft to be kaputs and not think about football again until like july 4th weekend <laughs> i'm just i'm done <laughs> pick me pick me i want may 5th to come more than anything in this world so that way i don't have to work <laughs> yeah. is this this the next 10 days if i somehow manage well no i, I would say the next 12 next 12 next 12 days if I am able to stay mentally sane, I would have succeeded in my life. Yeah. No, I would have done that, really, really the, well. That is the spirit, my friend. And we have, what, 10 more days or something like that? Maybe ten I days. could 10 days. It, 10 it days till it starts. This, this is going to be a long week. Like, I, I was sitting at the desk this morning, and I look up. I'm like, it's only 11 o'clock. feels like it's 5 o'clock. Ready to start recording Basement Talk podcast Monday, but it's going to be a slow week. It's going to be a slow week for sure. And you know what's funny is I had the same thing at around 2 o'clock today. I, look, I looked at the clock. I saw it was 2, and there I am just dozing off into space thinking it's like 3, 4 o'clock. And I look, and I see 2. I'm just like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? It's only 2 o'clock? But, yeah. hey, it is it is 5.30. We are recording this on Monday. You'll be hearing this within the next couple of hours. So, uh Greetings from the past. And then, of course, you will be hearing the Corners episode on Wednesday. We will be recording the Corners episode right after we record this one. And then the Safeties episode you will be hearing on Friday. There will be no Basement Talk podcast this week. I just figure since Jake and I are doing three episodes of this, kind of makes no sense to do a Basement Talk podcast. So we're just not going to do one. Um, But, of course, next week we will have shit ton of podcasts coming out next week it's going to be crazy jake will have his mock draft on tuesday then adam and i will have our mock drafts on thursday morning we'll be recording that wednesday night and then thursday night right after the first round concludes uh adam myself and then a brief snippet of jake will be on with reactions from the first round round and then the following monday will be a recap of the entire draft we'll have a recap of jake and i on the basement talk podcast and then on the fantasy show we'll have a more fantasy spin with adam and i so we're we are exactly two mondays away from going back to a normal schedule of jake on basement talk podcast and adam on basement talk podcast fantasy show once again so jake Let's just crack right into it, shall we? And you know how we start on the on the fantasy show. Yeah. Death taxes. And one quick question from the mailbag. So this comes from Pete. Jake, where, oh, where, oh, where is Pete from? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Pete from Portland. A nice little alliteration right there. I, I, I love it. I have to say it is really nice. And, and Pete actually gives a very interesting sort of question that I don't know if there's an answer to. And I'm very curious to see what your, what your response is to this. So Pete asks, is there a correct, a correct, wow, a correct, a correct way to draft in an online setting 
versus in an offline setting. So I guess the way he's talking, what he's talking about is what what's the means to the madness when you're drafting online in, you know, in ESPN, Yahoo, NFL lobby versus drafting with your friends. Um, that's a pretty broad question, it I is. would say. It is. I, I would just say with the offline draft, number one, you don't have the consensus to look at to bail you out. If you are somebody that isn't necessarily too in what's the word I'm looking in, in tune, in in tune, tune. connected to fantasy football, you have okay, here's the consensus, here's what everybody's saying with the Offline draft, it's print out your pieces of paper, cross the names off, see who's still on the board. See, I mean, I like to do my own rankings and I like to compare, you know, who's left with my rankings. Suppose I have my own process. I don't know how to explain that process, but I have my own process. But with online, that that does bail you out. And also the whole public draft backlash isn't there. We talked about this last week where it's a very real thing where you don't want to make that pick that will make everybody call you a moron. Whereas with the online draft, eh, some stuff kind of goes through the cracks a little bit. Maybe after the draft, you'll hear about it, but that initial backlash. And then also after that backlash, you won't be thinking about that your next time on the clock. So that's why I love the offline draft. I tend to do it all the time and I don't see it changing in at all soon. I mean, I don't, I don't think I can add anything more to that. I think the one point that you made, Jake, which is bang on the money, is the amount of times that I've been in an offline draft and I've been in hundreds of offline drafts and the amount of times that people will just hammer somebody for making a dreadful, dreadful pick is countless. And then sometimes even worse is – when the room is, you know, loud and whatever, people are rowdy, you know, as you would normally expect, people are hyped and, and they're in the middle of it. And you go up and make a pick and all of a sudden you can hear a pin drop in the room. Like, he just did that? Sometimes the silence is even worse than being called an idiot. So that's, it's the mental side of it in an offline draft, which, which is half the battle. Versus in an online draft, you said it yourself too. Someone can go up and take a piss when they're, you know, in between picks, not really pay attention to what's going on. You can always have the option to just not look at the chat and you can just be in your own little world drafting your team and whatever, whatever. Maybe one guy will text you and be like, hey, what the fuck was that sort of thing? But really, when you're in, when you're with your entire league in the same space, it, it, it really is psychological warfare going on when you're trying to build a team because you said it, the pressure is is really on. And you also brought up a good point in in with the rankings. I am always the first person to say to people, please, please, please make your own rankings. Even if you don't do like like what I do, part of my process is I do projections. I know a lot of people are not, you know, hardcore projections people, and that's totally fine. Not many have to be. I do this for a living. So I do the projections because it makes me money and helps pay the bills. But so you don't have to do those projections. You don't have to be as hardcore about it. You just need to come up with a set, set, a set rankings, even in, in online drafts, piece of paper that you're going to use as your go-to to have your own guys in front of you. So that way, 
you're trusting yourself. These are rankings that you put together on your own that you could say, oh, if I don't want to trust Matthew Barry on ESPN or their consensus, I want to have my guys or my own rankings in front of me. You have that next to you and you have that uh, at your beck and call pretty much. So, I mean, there's no really right or wrong way to do it. I mean, I know for me, over the years, I was always that guy that loved to give people shit. But then, you know, if you got to, if you give it, you have to take it. So I, over the years in offline drafts, I've just decided, you know what? I'm just going to keep very quiet. I'm just going to do my thing. People want to pick at me. That's fine. But I'm just going to let my team talk at the end of the day. So that's just something that I've picked up on over the years, but really there is no right or wrong for how you do it. It's just a matter of, I guess, being mentally prepared for whichever way you're, you're, you're going to do it. Cause it's, it's a battle, whichever way you want to look at it. Amen. Amen to that. Love the offline drafts. T- try to do it. If you can, it's a beautiful thing. And if Traylon Burks is a member of the Dallas Cowboys, there will be another offline draft added to my CV for this upcoming season. when Jake if gets he's his on auction. the board, if he's on the board, if he's on the board, if he's on terms the board, and conditions yes. matter. Yes. If he is, if he is on the board, then, then we have, then we have a bet that is, that is on. All right, Pete, thank you for your question. Let's go to the edge rushers. I think this is the show that I've been looking forward to the most because I think for the most part, and this is just with Jake and I spitting shit off air. We're pretty similar with how we have viewed guys. Like, I don't think we've had any real disagreements so far. This is where we have our disagreement for sure. Yeah, for sure. There, there is no doubt about it. I've been gearing up for this all day because I know exactly where this is going to go. So let's just start with the edge rushers. Let's, let's, let's get it out of the way. And then we'll end on a positive note with the defensive tackles because we did kind of spoil it for each other earlier with one player who we both believe is being criminally undervalued um, in pre-draft ranks. So we'll, we'll end on a cordial note, but we'll have a divorce right about now. So. The edge ranks. We're going to go five to one. Um, Jake, you started off the last time. So I'll start off now with the with the edge rushers. At number five, I have your guy. I'm going for Arnold Ebiquite out of Penn State. Love Arnold Ebiquite. I think he is criminally underrated. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But just a little spoiler alert, I would not be surprised if he has the most sacks amongst this whole draft class. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Neither would I. Neither would I, and we'll definitely talk about him some more. Beautiful. Yeah, no. You're, you're number, <laughs> number five, four. please. Oh, no, no. Mine's number five as well. Arnold oh, Lebecetti. he's your number five. Okay, yeah, sorry perfect. about that. <laughs> I think it'd be awkward, but yeah, it's my number one five. One for one. Well. Love it. I wanted to bump him up, but and we'll talk about it. There are a few. Uh, there are a few others that I want that I def that are definitely on your uh, on your on your list. Uh, number four for me, I have gone for David Ajabo out of Michigan. Okay, I went with this was close between the three and four for me. I went with Trayvon Walker. Okay, at number three, I have gone for Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. I have Jermaine Johnson. Okay. At number two, I have Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. At number two, I have Aiden Hutchinson. And number one, I have Aiden Hutchinson. 
Number one, I have Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. So let's let, let's just rip the Band-Aid off right now. The Kayvon yep. Thibodeau disc- discussion. I wrote a column today, TalkingPointSports.com. It's not up yet, but probably by the time you hear this, it will be up. Doing my top 10 overall prospects, Kayvon Thibodeau is not on that list. People will call me crazy. I know that he is consensus top 10 on fantasy pros. I believe he's a top five pick. And I believe telling you that right now, he is a top four pick from just he he is top 10. He's top five on PFF. So, Jake, what am I missing when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau? And why am I wrong? Listen, I know just from talking about it with you, I think you are a big believer in what you see. And that's fair. And, and I'm not saying that he had the most impressive tape because that's definitely not the case because there wasn't much tape at all this year, to be honest with you. You really have to go based off of what you saw a lot from late, from 2020 as opposed to this year. But this year, from the little action that we saw, it's just the first step for me. The cop, the speed to power is pretty elite. I, I really haven't seen anybody with this first step like Kayvon Thibodeau coming out of the draft. Like, I'm talking very rare, like, Chase Young, Bosa. I'm not saying that he's that type of edge edge rusher prospect, but with Kayvon Thibodeau, here are the knacks with him that I hear from people a lot. It's the competition. That's fair. It's it's the Pac-12. I get it. There's not a ton of offensive linemen, but excuse me, is, is the Big Ten very good outside of Ohio State and Penn State? No. Now, and, and the SEC, uh, what are we talking about here? Like, is Florida and LSU that great of a program anymore these days for, no. for Alabama? And no. In, in, so, really, college football as a whole, we can kind of nitpick here and there. And the, it's not like the Pac-12 is like playing at the uh, the like North Dakota State Conference. I've got the name of it off the top of my head, but this isn't necessarily a middle of nowhere Joe Blow recreational intramural conference. Like, these are still grown men out there. I get it; they're not quite the stature of NFL offensive linemen. So I can't use that against him, but with Kayvon Thibodeau, he could beat you from a multitude of different ways. Like he can simply just run around people because he's faster and right away he can get to the backfield because his agility and his burst is just simply faster than the offensive lineman. I, that does concern me a little bit in the NFL, but then you look at how strong he is too. Like this is a powerful, powerful human being that can win with speed and power the only problem that I do have with him, you said it as well. It's he doesn't necessarily have ideal bend, but I, I can count out. I can count off the top of my head numerous pass rushers that don't have the ideal bend that are great pass rushers in the NFL. I think the best comparison for him would probably be like a Daniel Hunter for the Vikings. Like that was the big thing with him as well coming out of college. And I don't know, he turned out to be pretty good for for Minnesota and Thibodeau. The character concerns, I think it's all nonsense. I think that's all smoke just being blown by teams wanting him to fall. I think that he's just really interested in branding and understands that there's a life outside of football. I haven't, I think he was a captain, if I'm not mistaken, at Oregon. I, I, yeah. Yes, he was. So I, I don't know, man. And also he got hurt and came back too. Like he could have easily said, you know what? I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting out for the NFL draft. No, he, he came back and played for Oregon. Oregon. I mean, the, the, the people, I, I didn't even need to come up with any analysis. I could have just said he went to or- Portland, Oregon. Well, come oh. on. How can I, 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 I missed this. He should have been number should, one overall. He should have been number one overall, but yeah, man, to me, this guy, he, he I, I think in last year's draft, honestly, he might've been a top five pick. I'm not even joking. Hmm. 
Maybe. Maybe. He def I, I think he definitely like, would have been he would he would have been top. He probably would have been top two or three in terms of the edge rushers from a year oh, no. ago. Oh no, he would have been by far the best. I mean, I like Jalen Phillips a lot last year. Don't get don't get it twisted. This guy was was definitely better from, coming from out a of year ago. If we're going off of his if his twenty twenty tape, then then yeah, yeah. Because his twenty his twenty twenty tape was well, was all was was it was better than his twenty twenty one tape. That's for let sure. Me, let me ask you though, because I also like sure. Aiden Hutchinson. It's not like I slighted him. Mm-hmm. What? What to you makes you think, okay, this guy will be – I can profoundly say he's better than Kayvon Thibodeau with Aiden Hutchinson because for me, he's – the ceiling is is capped with him, in my opinion. I think he will be a very good player, will make Pro Bowls, but all pro, 18 sacks a year, like over 15 sacks a year, like I don't know, man. See, I actually think that Hutchinson and Thibodeau are actually pretty similar because they win in kind of the same ways. They both have that that blend of balance, power. I actually think Thibodeau has more of a bend to me than, than most would consider. I'm actually on Thibodeau's side in that regard, where Thibodeau kind of – where I saw with him – is he focuses way too much on the guy that's in front of him. He focuses too much on the offensive lineman that he's going up against. And he really doesn't track the ball all too well. And there were a couple times that I saw running backs just able to get right by him because he loses sight of the ball. He loses sight of what's going on, what's going on with this play. And he, he doesn't have exactly that football IQ, that football acumen that I think Hutchinson has. Now that's no slight on, on Thibodeau, but oh, physically, fair. physically, Thibodeau is a freak. If we're just doing physically Thibodeau versus physically Hutchinson, Hutchinson may have the size. I mean, he's 6'7", 250, whatever the hell he is. But Thibodeau, he's your gym rat. He's your gym rat. And there's no there's no denying that. I'm not, I'm not going to even argue that. But what I think with, with Hutchinson is, for me, it's, it's the hands. He is just violent. And that's what I like to see out of a pass rusher. I'm not saying that Thibodeau isn't, but Hutchinson really exploded that on film. I just think he, he, he showed that football IQ more than Thibodeau did. And I think Hutchinson was a bit more consistent going off his 2021 film versus Thibodeau's 2020 film. And I, I, I wouldn't compare 2021 versus 2021 or 2020 versus 2020 with Hutchinson versus Thibodeau because Thibodeau in 2020 was, I mean, Hutchinson wasn't even a thing in 2020 for the most part. And Thibodeau this year had a down year versus Hutchinson, who was the number one graded pass rusher in, in the country. Well, well, also let's go just a couple things to unpack there. I definitely agree with you from that element where the football IQ was a little bit concerning with Kayvon Thibodeau. I wrote down here and I, I think I also told you, I told a lot of people this, he's not the guy for a pass rush. In my opinion, I think he needs to be one of the guys where you did say if, that. If he's the focal point of attention, yes, I'm I'm a little concerned. And I'm not saying that he has an attitude problem, but as a young player getting double teamed and all the attention, you get frustrated pretty easily, and that can mm-hmm. stunt your growth. So Detroit, uh, to me, that would be a disaster for him. Detroit and Houston would be a nightmare. Whereas I'm not saying the Jets are this world beater, you know, but if you look at their defensive front, you have Quinn and Williams, you have Carl Lawson, you have Sheldon Rankin, Rankins, John Franklin Meyer. John Franklin Myers. I don't know why I can't talk right now, but my own <laughs> team, but, uh, 
with Robert Sala, who's an excellent teacher on the defensive line, I think that's a great spot for him to succeed. And him playing that speed rusher, that Bosa, uh, D4 type of role on the other end of Carl Lawson, I think he would really thrive in. But here's the thing also I wanted to mention. I know we're spending a lot of time on the top two guys, but this is really where we disagree. Oh, please. It's where, um, it's where we disagree. So correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. The Oregon defense. Mm-hmm. Was, was there really anybody else that the defensive coordinators needed to really be like, okay, we, we got to know where that guy is on the field or else he, he's going to wreck our day. Absolutely he, not. He, he can change. Maybe Javon Holland last year. Maybe. I believe he went to, or- he went to yeah, Oregon, he did. right? He yeah, did. if I remember he correctly. Did. But maybe, maybe him, but that was maybe. last year. And also that's a safety, like off the ball, please. We can go on and on. Yeah. Whereas with Michigan, uh, excuse me, there's a guy, if he's fully healthy, he's probably a top 20 pick in this draft. And David Ajabo on the other side. It's true. It's true. So I I'm just saying, like, that matters to me is where it's not so much the competition, it's what you have around you. Whereas with Hutchinson, they excuse me, they have David Ajabo on the other side. With Kayvon Thibodeau, he's the sole threat for opposing offenses. And that's kind of what I what I saw as well, is he didn't do well with double with double teams, he didn't do very well. Like plain and simple. I wrote that down whereas when he got doubled it you you could tell he got doubled and yeah. he needs to be coached in that aspect and I think more ar- his arsenal of moves to get to the quarterbacks needs to be coached but honestly I don't really see a pass rusher in this draft where I'm like okay you know what he's got a very wide variety of ways to beat the offensive tackle it's it's just relying a lot on that speed or power I'm just simply faster or stronger than you to get to the quarterback it just all needs to be polished where with Hutchinson, I would agree. I think his technique and his hands are a little bit heavier. I, I think it's close, but I lean with Thibodeau with the ceiling because you know me, I, I love my ceiling. You do. You do. And that is definitely where we differ in our analysis because I'm very much a floor guy. I'm very much who is the guy that's not going to get a guy fired. No. And- I, scared, what is, I say all the time, scared money don't make no money. That's, that, that's very fair, but it, it, keeps you, it keeps your job. And I, I think if Thibodeau – Thibodeau, I, I agree with what, with what you've been saying all along in terms of Thibodeau needs to have a group of guys around him. He cannot be the sole guy to make a defensive line tick or to be the sole guy that's going to be the sack producer for a defense. That's just not what Thibodeau is going to be. And if he is going to be that guy, it's not going to be he's not going to be that guy until year three, maybe year four. He's going to need that time to to develop because he is. I don't want to say he's raw, but he definitely has things that, uh, yeah, I'll say he's raw. I'll say he's raw, but the ceiling is tremendous. I, I think with him, there was a lot, I'm not comparing him because I think they're, they're two very different sort of players because of the versatility that one brings versus the other, but he's a very raw version of maybe what miles Garrett was coming out of college with that same sort of promise where Miles Garrett, there are a lot of elite tools that he had, a lot of things that he had to work on. But if Miles Garrett hit, it was going to be a home run pick. He was going to be an all pro defensive lineman for the next 10 years. That's exactly what he's become. Same thing with Thibodeau. If he could work on the things that he has to work on, which comes with good coaching, and it comes with other players that are next to him that can provide similar, if not greater quality while he grows into being a professional football player then the sky, the sky is the limit for him. But with Hutchinson too, and there's one, one, one more point that I want to make before we go on, go on to, uh, to the next guys, next couple of guys that we have down here. 
Um, there was a lot of criticism with Hutchinson that maybe he didn't deliver against the best opponents. I say to those people, go watch the Ohio State and go watch the Iowa games. Aiden Hutchinson won the game against Ohio State, Ohio State yep. and he won, and he basically won them the game and the Big Ten championship against against Iowa. Mainly, it is that Ohio State game for Aiden Hutchinson, where for me as an Ohio State guy, that who is kind of like, yeah, okay, it's Michigan. She's another guy from Michigan. When I was watching that game, just wall to wall, and H- Hutchinson was ruining my day. I'd sit back and be like, wow. And for me, with Kayvon Thibodeau, the game was UCLA this year. That that yeah. really, I mean, there wasn't a ton this year, but if you if turn on one. that game, you'll see it. If there yeah. was one, and then for me, it was USC last year with him yes. that I thought really stood out. But I didn't, I didn't necessarily see a game where I'm like, wow, this guy sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of other people are making it out to be. I can't say that I've seen a game where I could say that, oh, yeah, this was terrible film. But there was a lot of games that I saw with Thibodeau where I was like, is he is he on the field? He's making he was making more more so this year than last year. He was making some business decisions later in the season. He might have oh, been better off. Sure. He might have been better off just not playing for the rest for sure. of the year. I, I think he would have avoided a lot of questions. Yeah. And there and there's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't think sometimes you you have to take you have to make the business decision. And you have to just be like, you know what? I'm out here, I'm playing, I'm proving some sort of my stock. But at the same time, it could come with questions. But, I mean, hey, I'm on an NFL GM. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, in my, in my mock that I'm working on right now, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a top five pick. Now, if I was an NFL GM, would I take him as a top five pick? No. But he's going to be a top five pick because there are three teams at the top of this draft outside of Jacksonville with, with potentially Hutchinson, where with the Lions with the Texans and with the Jets that all could use that franchise foundational piece at edge rusher. Now, if we're going to believe what's coming out of Detroit, that Dan Campbell is not a fan of Kayvon Thibodeau, then that leaves two with the Texans and the Jets. We've said this all along. I know you have said this. I've said this as well, and I'm still very much in the camp based on people that I've asked and I've talked to as recently as an hour ago. Kayvon Thibodeau will not get past the New York Jets unless there is a trade offer that falls on Joe Douglas's desk that he cannot say no to. Yeah, no, and just to go, just to backtrack a little bit to Houston, it's it's going to be Iki Aquano if he's there for Houston. I'm I'm pretty certain. Like I'm I'm pretty confident saying that. Unless unless again there is an offer, there's a trade. They, yeah, that they that they cannot say no to. And then it presents a very, I would think, a very difficult decision for the Jets as to whether or not they go with Thibodeau or whether they go with Ikki Aquano. No, 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 no. I, I, I've. It's gonna be. It's gonna be Thibodeau. Interesting. I it's don't. Gonna, th- be, I, I don't think it's there, that locked and loaded. If it's, it's between, if it's between Aquano and Thibodeau, it's it's locked and loaded, my man. If Thibodeau's there, there's people there that are. Praying that Thibodeau's there at number four. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it because the, the the need is there. But hey, you could in an ideal perfect world, you could have three first round picks on your offensive line protecting Zach Wilson. Mm. Yeah, you don't have a place to put one of them though. Sure you do. Take, well, no, nah, I don't think th- when you put him in a guard. Boom, done. I mean, they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker last year and, and paid Lake and Tomlinson a lot of money in free agency. That's true. That is true. 
I hear what you're saying, though. Maybe, yeah. Ma- yeah, maybe trade George Fan or Mackay Becton with his injuries. But I'm telling you that there the, he's had fans for a long time in that building. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I I do think at the end of the day that guy is going to be Thibodeau if if he is there. But then a real interesting situation will arise for the Jets if Thibodeau is not there. Yeah, I mean that that well, one of those guys we could talk about coming on up. So potentially, potentially, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we could talk about Jermaine Johnson, uh, David Ajabo. Who, I mean, we could just talk about Ajabo uh, very quickly. Um, obviously, the the defensive partner to Aiden Hutchinson has a uh, has an Achilles injury, so that unfortunately really sucks that he suffered at uh, the Michigan Pro Day. So hopefully he's able to uh, get over that and and hit the field. But unfortunately, it's it's going to have an impact on his draft stock for sure, which which really 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 sucks. Yeah, I, I had questions about him though. To be completely honest with you, I, I did as well. Um, but I'm not saying that obviously it sucks, and he still would have been like a top 20, 25 pick easily if, mm-hmm. if he didn't get hurt. He yes. still might he still might honestly go later on in the first round, even though he is hurt. I mean, would it really surprise you if Kansas City takes him? Uh, that was literally the team that was on the tip of my tongue. Like a team like that, that's a contending team that can kind of wait on him, or like Green Bay makes a lot of sense too. Yep. So uh, somebody of that mold. But the, the the experience was a little bit of an issue with me. Really, one true year of of playing pretty much football, like prominent football in general. And the production was, it's not the end all be all, but when you watch him, he just, he looks very raw and like, he doesn't necessarily have technique. He just kind of just see what I'm saying. He just kind of runs as fast as he can and tries to push you on over and you're going to fall over. You can't keep up with him. I necessarily see like that whole, there's an art to rushing the passer. Like we call him sack artists for a reason. And I didn't necessarily see that with him. And when you're playing on the other side of, the guy who might be the first pick in the draft, like, hey, you're going to see some favorable matchups, especially against Ohio State, where they can't stop that guy, the best team in your conference. So Agreed. it was just a couple of questions for me with, with Ojabo. I, I had him rel- ranked relatively fair. I think he just was – I think he was number seven for me. Yeah, I mean, four, four five, six, seven are, are pretty close together for me with the with the pass rushers. He's they're in all, my top 50, too. Yeah, they're all he, – he is in my top 60. Uh, Ojabo, he definitely took it a bit of a hit for me. Um, but before 2021, the guy's only played 26 career snaps, then came into 2021 and had 300 plus pass rushing attempts. Uh, I think he earned a 87 ish pass rushing grade in 2021. So he went from being nothing to now being on the first round radar Always within risky. the span of a couple months. So that's something that you have to definitely look at and be like, huh. You know, and, and he's very raw. He is very, very, very raw. He's only scratching the surface of what he potentially can do. Has a nice frame, 6'3", 250. You know, that's pretty average for what teams usually are looking for out of a out of one of their pass rushers. So he's strong. He's got good hands. Um, but he didn't he didn't jump off the page necessarily for me. Uh, it's it's the same thing with um, Ebiketti that he. I know he. You were more of a fan of him than than I was. I'm a fan, but it's just one of those where it's like I've seen these kind of guys before, and it's, it's the same. It's the same thing with Ojaba. I've seen this kind of guy before. Epiketti is like one of those guys that's like trying to find like a a very polite way. He's just like insanely twitched up, like uncoachable. 
hands. Like you see what I'm saying here? Just one of yeah. those guys that come off the edge and you're like, how the hell did he do that? And if you ask him how he, he'll be like, I don't know. You see what I'm saying? He just has those instincts to get to the pass, to, to get yes. to the passer. He needs to fill out a little bit. That is something that kind of stood out for me. He's the frame's a little thin. I think in the NFL, he will have to fill out a little bit, especially against the run to get off of blocks to stop because you, you can't be a situational pass rusher getting drafted in the top 40, which I think he'll, he'll ultimately go in the top 40. So that's a little bit of concern there with, with uh, Jermaine Johnson, who I just want to touch on real quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Me, we didn't even get to him yet. To, to me, it's just a lot of really good. You know, and I, I think mm-hmm. the I think he had the floor with him is incre- I think him and Trayvon Walker, the floor is pretty safe with both of those guys. I think those are two guys where you could look back and say, well, those weren't great picks, but they were good picks. They'll they'll be starters for a team, but they won't necessarily be moving the needle, in my opinion, for for a team. Maybe Jermaine Johnson, but Walker, I don't know. I just need I just didn't see it with him that a lot of other I think people are using the measurables as more of a. Uh, an analysis than what they actually saw, which I tend to do a lot, but I didn't in this case, cause I didn't see it enough. You know, you got to see sometimes, you know? Yeah. And you, you jumped the gun to talking about Walker and uh, this is like a spoiler alert. I did not put him in my edge ranks. I did not put him in my defensive tackle ranks because I don't know what he is. There are people that will believe that he can play inside. It knows baby. I don't know if he's an edge rusher. That's kind of, This is the problem that I have with Walker. I am not his biggest fan at all. Uh, I don't understand why he's going in, in top three consideration. He's a guy that I've seen before. And it, I guess maybe with him, it's the fact that he's this elite physical freak, 6'5", 270, violent hands, is dominant at the line of, at the line of scrimmage. But he also played on the best defensive line in college football. So, you know, we can't talk about Trayvon Walker without talking about Jordan Davis. We can't talk about Trayvon Walker without talking about Nicobe Dean, so on, so on, so on. To me, I, I, I don't get it with, with Walker. And believe me, I have watched so much of Walker to try and understand it. I have watched the same tape at least 10 times. I still don't get it. I still do. I don't understand it. I, what did you think the best game for him was? I'm kind of curious to hear. Let me pull one, it up. Let one stood out for me, and it's going to be a cliche one, but it, it's the truth. Yeah, let me pull up uh, the game grades that I had for him um, on my spreadsheet. So the game for me that stood out, there were two that stood out for me. It was the semifinal versus Michigan, and then the Auburn game as well. Those were the two that jumped off the page. I had the Auburn, and believe it or not, the opener in Alabama uh, against Alabama. Uh, Clemson. Uh, Clemson, excuse me. I don't know why I thought it was Alabama. I keep thinking that. it was. Op- I remember it was the first game of the season. Yes, against yes. Clemson. Against that was, Cle- it was a solid one. Cle- solid. Cle- Clemson, Alabama, it's kind of like. Same thing. It's same like thing. the same thing at this rate in college football. Dabo Sweeney, Nixon. Pretty much. Pretty excuse much. Me there. But yes, the, the, the semifinal was, uh, was another one of the good. It was like number. Let's see if I got here. What did you have for the worst one? I'm the worst curious. one? Oh, boy. Worst. They were – the worst one, I had a few that I really was just – I was not impressed. Um, I had UAB as pretty bad. But then again, I, but then again, thought, again, he did not play all that much against UAB. I thought the uh, national championship wasn't great. Yeah, Alabama against Alabama twice. <laughs> in the conference championship against Alabama and then 
in the national championship against Alabama. He graded below a 60 for me, but I kind of cut him some slack because it is Alabama. Um, but then I think the one, the two, actually, there were two that also jumped off the page as pretty terrible where I really, I wrote down here on the spreadsheet, uh, go back, watch and try and figure out what the hell went wrong was Kentucky and Missouri. Those are the other two that were big, big red flags for me. And then Georgia tech as well is another one that was not too good on my eye. I had Missouri too. It's interesting. I thought yeah. Kentucky was pretty good to be honest with you. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, but am I am I missing something with, with no. Walker? No, I think the peep. I think the general public or I see. The, I don't like this because I'm a big fan of find a guy. We'll talk about this with defensive tackles. Find what he does best and use that to your advantage. Like, is he a five tech or a three tech? Like, what are we doing here? If he's better as a three tech, well, let's use him as one and let's find a guy who's better who's a good five tech defensive end. <laughs> like. You see what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. why do we need to do the whole let's rotate the matchups, move them all over the place? As a young player, you're trying to learn how to be a pro. You don't need to learn multiple positions. You're trying to learn how to be a pro. You don't Correct. need three jobs instead of two. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I look at this very similarly to kind of what the Detroit Lions had to do a year ago with Penny Sewell and how they played Penny Sewell all over that offensive line. And he struggled because he was not playing in a set position. That's what I think a team is going to have to deal with a Trayvon Walker. I don't know what his position is. I don't know what his and, best position is. And, and that's we, a big problem. And we heard this. I mean, it's a totally different position, but we heard this with Isaiah Simmons, right? Is he a yes, safety? Is he a absolutely. linebacker? Could he play slot? Like, let's find a spot for him. His rookie year, he didn't know what to do at either any of the positions. And then once they started playing him more as like that linebacker safety type enough with the slot, type of player okay then he started making some splash plays yeah <laughs> like what, what a surprise right yeah it's, it's gonna take a defensive coordinator that is very creative to figure out what the deal is going to be with walker but if he's going to go number two to the lions i mean what do they have what do they have that's going to be super creative with what they what they what they do defensively I, I i don't know i just think detroit i mean well i don't even know when we're talking about the nfc north but you got to find a quarterback if you're like, I, I just like, what, it, what is a edge rush you're going to do for their franchise? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Like you got to find a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they, they tried to give five years, 90 some odd million dollars to Trey flowers. Didn't they? And it's look how that's, brutal. look how that's gone. So I, I, I don't really know what the, what the plan is. I mean, I know we just talked about it. I know I'm not his biggest fan, but if you want to take a risk, take take the risk on Thibodeau. And I know you know the reports with Dan Campbell. I get it, but I mean, what do you have to lose if you're going to take a yeah. chance on a guy? Take a chance on a guy that has has the opportunity to be the best pass rusher in the National Football League, which is what Kayvon Thibodeau has the potential to be. If if you're just Detroit, though. Like, how are you selling Jared Goff? I, I just, it just blows my mind. Like, is if you're Dan Campbell, like, you're going to put this team together and then what? You're going to win like six or seven games and not be in a position to take one of the best quarterbacks next year? Like, at best. Uh, it's just, it, it really is a disastrous situation, man. Like, it's a nightmare. Really brutal. It's a nightmare. It, it's an absolute nightmare because Dan Campbell wants to compete 
but this is not a team that needs to be competing. And they could, honestly, if they get the quarterback correctly, like that NFC North, other than Green Bay, which we don't know who's catching passes for Aaron Rodgers is, is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they get a quarterback right now. Hey, hell, they could play Jared Goff for the entire year if that's the case. They wanted to do that. Fine. But then you have a succession plan. You have something to look forward to. Even nope. if it's not like, even if it's not the most polished guy in the world. And we, we, we've talked about it with the quarterbacks time and time again. This is not the year to be, you know, taking quarterbacks and expecting the sun, the moon, and the stars in year one. But why not take the chance on a guy like Malik Willis? Why, why not have that project waiting in the wings where if the team is not good come midway through the season, Malik Willis becomes your guy. Or if the team some way, somehow is in contention, you have Jared Goff play the rest of the year. You don't make the playoffs, which they're not going to. And then next year, you have a very clear succession plan to go from Jared Goff to Malik Willis. Think of what the San Francisco 49ers just did, and they almost made the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, I just think these these edge rushers are not doing much for me with the Detroit Lions. It makes no sense to me at all, and I cannot wait to see what the Detroit Lions do. Because to me, that is, if I, if I am the Lions, that is a get what you can for number two for a team that wants to trade up for a quarterback, trade yeah. down a couple spots, and see what you have at, say it's number six. See what you have at six with, with Carolina. If Matt yeah. Rule is that desperate for a quarterback and he's nervous about New Orleans with their ammunition that they have now, trading up to get a quarterback, Detroit, pick up the phone to Carolina, beep, beep, boop, boop, bop, give him a call, make that deal, get it done, take your guy at six, done, you've done well. And you could probably still get Trayvon Walker at six, too. Like, I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying you, you look at the landscape of the draft at three, you say Houston takes an offensive tackle, the Jets take Dibido. And then at five, the Giants take an offensive tackle or Sauce Gardner. Like, they're, I don't know. It's just they could trade back and still get their guy. They, they really are just the gift that keeps on giving. Well, it, it, it is such a bad spot for them. <laughs> But they're, they're digging this grave. Take your quarterback at two, and that's it. You're good. And then if you want to have rattle off six, seven wins this year and try and be competitive, you could do it because you have a quarterback. You have your guy. And we'll talk yeah. more about the Lions when we, uh, when, when we get there. Uh, sleeper for the, uh, for the edge rushers, Jake. Uh, you see, this one is kind of like a cop-out because like he's a pretty well-known guy. I just don't really know what to make of him. And that's George Karloftis out of Purdue. Mm, like, fine. Is, uh, it's funny because I'm like, someday, sometimes when I watch him, I'm like, holy shit, like, this guy might be the like top five pit. Like, this is pretty remarkable. Then there's other times I'm like, oh, wait, he's getting pushed all over the field. Or, oh, some guy just ran right through him. You see what I'm saying? So with him, just need to see more production from him. And I get it, all the advanced analytics. If you like advanced analytics, he's probably your guy, to be quite honest with you, because all the measurement, that all supports him. But I'm just seeing this where I'm like, huh. Like, this guy is like, I think the Purdue defense would be the same exact unit without him on the field, to be completely honest with you. So I just don't know what to make of him, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. I have him outside of the first round, and I am debating putting him in, my first, in the end of my first round in my mock. Um there are teams, though, that really like him. I believe and, it. And really what it comes down to is that he is just this Iron Man that you could put him anywhere, 
and he plays really well. He's like that bull in the China shop where he wins based on power and power alone. There were a couple of times and more than a couple, I should say, where he really tried to be someone that he's not and to be the speed rusher despite being 275 pounds. Very stiff. Very, very stiff. Very stiff. I hate that. With the, He's not very twitch. See, that, it's just kind of like how I evaluate players where like a guy like Arnold Epichetti just twitched to the max quick. Like that's a guy that I gravitate towards. So like the power, yeah. the bull rusher power, not really much twitch at all. Stiff. Not the fast. You see what I'm saying? Like those guys yeah. to me, I I don't I just think will be good players. But are they really changing the direction of your franchise? Probably not. It comes down to what we talk about time and time again. We've seen this guy before. We've a seen a guy like Carl Loftus a million times over. He's not a guy that changes the foundation of your franchise. Is he a guy that you bring in to aid what you already have to make a unit that is good potentially better? Yeah. Like, I think a spot that I've debated putting him, I know I put him there in in a couple mocks, was the Arizona Cardinals, where yeah, they have yeah. they have an opening next to J.J. Watt with Chandler Jones departing for pastures anew. You put Karloftis next to J.J. Watt in that defensive line. Boom. Problem solved. That's a good fit for him. But if you want to put him as your foundational piece to build a defensive line or a pass rush around, he's just he, he's not going to be be your guy. One trick pony to me has one move. That's kind of it. Uh, the versatility is, is, is a big plus, but he, he's just a big, he's a big guy that has to understand that he's not going to be the fastest pass rusher on the field and not going to be a speed rusher. Like a, like a cave on is that's just not his game. Rely on your power, rely on your size. And that is how you're going to win versus offensive lineman. For me, he's perfect in a three, four scheme where you're putting him right on an offensive lineman, right on a tackle, and letting him go at the snap. That's where his best fit is. I don't think there is – you could do different things with him, but, again, you need to have him next to next to somebody because he's just not going to be the guy that gets it done all on his own. Okay, let's go to the defensive tackles. So, Jake – your number five, please. Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama. He is my sleeper, so we will be talking about Fedarian Mathis uh, a little bit. Uh, number five, I have Travis Jones out of UConn. I have Travis Jones at number four. I have Logan Hall out of Houston at number four. I have Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia at number three. I have Devontae Wyatt at number three. Number two, I have Jordan Davis from Georgia. Number two, I have Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. I have Perrion Winfrey as my number one. And I have slightly. Jordan, I have Jordan Davis at number one slightly. So we basically are in line with our defensive tackles. So let's start talking about I want to save Winfrey for last because that's someone that I don't think a lot of people know much about. So let's let's just talk about the guys that people will know which are Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, both out of the University of Georgia. Let's start with Davis. Really? Yeah. He's a one-trick pony. But the one trick that he does, he is absolutely incredible at. He is – think of when Vita Vea came out of Washington when he was just 
Big guy, plugs holes, and that's it. That's what he does. That's Jordan Davis. He's going to be great at it at the next level. Yes, and I, I don't know if I would go that far. Vita Vea was... I thought was coming out. He was kind of one of a kind to me. I don't know if I would go that far. I thought Vita Vea was a little bit more agile than than Jordan Davis. Yes, I I, I, I would so. I would say so. I mean, we saw Vita Vea. He kind of struggled his rookie year. Oh yeah, and most yeah. of his second year too. So he wasn't necessarily a, a booming success right away. It took no, like he, Todd Bowles and obviously yeah, Shaq Barrett, JP, a lot of guys yes. on the defensive line with him. It's just the pass rush. Is he really a three down? Pl- is he really a three down player? Like, can you say that with conviction where you don't have to take him off the field on third downs and obvious passing situations? To me, I mean, the guy's like 350 pounds, man. Like, yeah, he, he weighed in at the combine at 345 during the season. He weighed in at 360. Uh, am I wrong for being like a. It's like a no. little concerning. No, he's going to have to come off the field at some point. But if you have a guy that could just be your plug and play run stuffer on first, second, and then short yardage situations oh, on third down, he's phenomenal because he's just such a massive body with this. If you were just that big with just the slightest bit of athleticism at that size and that weight, yeah, there's there's definitely a place for you in the NFL, and you're you're going to have a long career in, in the National Football League. My question is though. Does that really warrant like a top 15 to 20 pick? No, no, I don't have him in, in the uh, top 20. And that's where he he's getting mocked. And that's kind of like where I'm getting negative with him. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the teams, though, inside that that top 20 range, and one really sticks out to me with the glaring need, uh, especially stopping the run, it makes sense because it's the NFL and it's a year-to-year league. Like, they probably won't be picking there. Like, for me, Boston. Uh, Boston Baltimore at number four at 14 make a ton of sense for him on that. He's a, he's a Raven player too. He's, he's a Raven player. He, uh, Calais Campbell's there. He is obviously not the long-term solution. What does he got? Like another year, another year, maybe. So it makes a ton of sense there for Baltimore. And let's be honest. If Lamar Jackson was playing for the whole year, they're not picking number 14 overall. I can say that with, with, with conviction. I agree. I agree with you uh, completely. Um, I also just have this fantasy of seeing Jordan Davis on fourth and goal as a fullback clearing the way for name any running back here. Say it's the Ravens for J.K. Dobbins or for Lamar Jackson going right up the middle. Like who's moving? Who's going to move Jordan Davis? No, yeah, no, nobody to nobody. answer your question. <laughs> nobody. He, he He's a mountain. He's a mountain of a human being, but a one trick pony. Nonetheless, I have him mocked in my latest mock, which I did not publish. Um, I had him going to the Buffalo Bills at 25. Late. Yeah, that's late. Yeah, I don't have him. As, I don't have him as a top 20 guy. Neither do I. I, it's just not what I kind of, when I do mocks, it's not based off of rankings, but it's more of like what we hear, what we read. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bringing everything, everything into the mix. Do I think he'll be there at 25? I don't No, I don't, but for this experiment, when I haven't put him in my final mock yet, I literally just started the final mock today. Um, He probably will be in that Maybe that top 20 range. Maybe I could see Philadelphia taking a swing on him with the long-term future of Fletcher Cox kind of up in the air after this year. 
So maybe they view Jordan Davis as the potential heir to the throne that Fletcher Cox has held in Philadelphia. Um, let's go to his teammate, Devontae Wyatt. Um, literally, you take everything we just said about Jordan Davis, flip it on its head. That is Devontae Wyatt. He is the way more explosive athlete. Struggle has his deficiencies in the run game a little bit, but as a pass rusher, oh my God, they, that, that's a sight to behold. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought Wyatt had better instincts to be a pass rusher than Jordan. I thought his instincts just for football in general were better than Jordan Davis. I agree. I agree with you completely. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to sound cliche, but I pretty much was going to say exactly what you said. It's just interesting to me. Wyatt. Uh, why am I drawing up? Trayvon uh, Walker. Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I drew a blank there. Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis on the same defensive line. We're about to find out who was a product of who and who got who paid on the Georgia defensive line because are all three going to be a booming success in the NFL? Chances are one of them will be, and the other two will probably be busts. Or one of them will be a bust, and the other will just be a a guy. Yeah, I think we have two guys there that are probably standout pieces on a defensive line at the next level, and one of them probably is a bust. Who is is that guy going to be? I I had to bet. If I had to bet, I would say Wyatt would probably be the most – sure thing like I, I, agree. I would bet on him yes. over the other two and I, i'm not just not trying to say that to go against the consensus i tr- i truly think that <laughs> no I, th- I i do think that as well i think he's the most polished you know what his position is you plug him you plug him in put his hand in the dirt and he's just going to get at it and if you need anything to watch with Devonte wyatt i know it's not a game perhaps and people use this as extra to go on top of what game film already exists, but go watch Devonte Wyatt in the senior bowl and I then, te- and then tell people. me what I'm missing with Devonte Wyatt. He, the senior bowl tape, I forget, I forget who I was watching, but I was watching the senior bowl to watch somebody specifically. I forget who it was. And then I just saw Devonte Wyatt and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. I think Tampa Bay at twenty eight. I think it is is yeah. is the is the spot. I I think it's Adama a great spot for him. No, not in the fold as of yet. Todd Bowles, defensive coach. Yeah, I could see it. I could see that too. I could definitely see that. Um, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Fedarian Mathis. Let's let, let, let's do it. Uh, out of the University of Alabama. For me, it, it it's the size with Mathis. 6'4", 320, and he plays his size, which I really, really like. And he uses his hands really, really well. You put him up against guard or a center, game over. Yeah, to me, it's kind of interesting to see like how he fits in the NFL because – he could just be a defensive end. I don't really know if he's a true defensive tackle, so to say. He could just be a 3-4 defensive end or maybe put put him in the 3-tech defensive tackle role in the 4-3 defense. That's what but, I have him projected as, 3-tech and a 4-3. Honestly, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Muhammad Wilkerson. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, of course I did. From back in the day with the Jets. And I, I think we use competition and where you went to school as like a – like a booster in this case, I think it kind of hurts him to be quite honest with you because yeah. of all the talent on Alabama. And 
it's just like it's a Nick Saban defensive tackle. You see what I'm saying? Obviously, last year played with, with, with Christian Barmore there. So I with him, the ceiling is not necessarily a Perrion Winfrey, a uh, Devontae Wyatt, but a very good player. Uh, I could definitely see that. He doesn't have anything really special about him. He just everything about his game, size, strength, speed, football IQ, it's all very it's good. But I don't see anything where I'm like, ah, I haven't seen that before with him. You know what I'm saying? Perfect floor guy. Perfect yeah. floor guy. You plug him in. He's going to be consistent. He's not going to have too many dips, but the ceiling is not exactly there. And he'll I be a know. good starter. Yeah, he'll be a, he'll be an above average starter at the next level. He'll have a nice career. He'll get paid, and he'll be successful. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that with a guy that probably is projected to be in the late second, early third, maybe mid-third round uh, of the draft. There's nothing wrong with finding a guy that you know you have an above-average starter there for the next five, seven years with your franchise, and then maybe he moves on and does something else uh, given the fact that he's a mid-round pick. But let's talk about Perrion Winfrey. Uh, My number two, your number one. For me, we talked about Devontae Wyatt and what he does athletically. Perrion Winfrey is all of that and perhaps even more for me. It, it jumped out right away. And I didn't even, I didn't even need to watch a senior bowl to uh, for that to really pop off. I was just looking at the tape with him and, and just the game film on an Oklahoma defense, which really was just there wasn't really a lot there to go and, off of. And he was still unblockable. <laughs> yeah. And he he still he still really brought the goods. Uh, for for Oklahoma, so uh, so Jake, he's your number one. Sing his praises. It's just the pit. It's just not just the run stuffing ability to me. That was I wouldn't say that's the strength of his game. He's more of a downhill rusher mm-hmm. to me up the middle. You kind of use to me. He's more of like a three tech defensive tackle and a four three defense. I don't really think he fits in any other way. But used correctly, like you're looking at a Pro Bowl guy that makes you look smart type of player because. As a pass rusher, he's like the power is unreal with this guy. Like he will simply, I don't know if it's just a product of the Big 12 and offensive line play in, in the Big 12 is not necessarily the best, but you look because with him, you, you can't really look at the production and say, like, yes, this is a special talent. Because in the Big 12, do they really like how much how much time does a pass rusher have to get to the quarterback in the Big 12? Not much time. Not much. Not much time, but you see him in the backfield on running plays and just blows, just destroys them. Like before the ball's even handed off, like um, I, I can literally outline a whole bunch of games where I'm like, holy shit, like he's already back there. Like, and sometimes it doesn't even get blocked because it's just so fast. And he's, what is he like three? I think he's like 315. 315. Okay. So 315, but he, he weighs 315 and plays like it, but the way he moves, it's like he's, 275 like he's an edge rusher on the outside he's basically an edge rusher playing defensive tackle that's a run stopper run stopper he's not necessarily like a jordan davis or even a Devontae wyatt but he's good enough but that but the impact and force he uses on the middle of defensive line is just pretty unreal to me he should be the number one i think he oklahoma and the pet and the big pac 12 Big 12 gets used against him a little too much, but I, I know a good amount of teams are looking at him as a top 30 player. He's He's gone on a ton of visits so far. The raw intangibles are there with uh, with Perry on Winfrey. They're there. 
it's a matter of him, I think, putting it all together. But if we're looking at the Oklahoma defense, and, and like I said before, on a defense that really did not have much where people were really writing home about it, Winfrey was the one that really, really stood out. And he's going to be a really good defensive tackle at the next level. I think he could, I think he probably does translate to being a three technique and a four, three. I think that probably is his best fit at the next level. But what I think he does probably best at the next level is be that guy that creates havoc for other guys on his defense to make plays. That's kind of what he's going to be best at, which is not, it's not a bad thing at all because he's going to be a great contributor at the next level for somebody. I mean, listen, you just tell that kid to put his hands in the dirt. That's it. Three, he's going to go get it. Yep. <laughs> that, that's what I saw on a consistent basis from him almost yes. every game. Like I said this about the, there wasn't a game where I, where I saw where I was like, wow, like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there or he's overmatched or overwhelmed. He doesn't have an answer. Right. Take it for and I think will. and he's going to benefit, I think, as well from playing with players that are at his quality, if not Playing greater. <laughs> yeah, because, well, I mean, look at where he was, Oklahoma, where they don't play defense in the Big 12. All right, let's go to the draft needs of the NFC South. Let's start with the Carolina Panthers. Jake, better question is, what don't they need? I mean, the, the two that jump off the charts for me are corner. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, they could use a corner, but I offensive so. li- offensive line. Mm-hmm. massive need and quarterback. Uh, what else are they doing? Matt rule. Like you got to find a quarterback or else it's over. Like the, the honeymoon's over with you, Matt rule. I, I, agree. I think I know. I, I I'm pretty confident in saying they'll take a quarterback at six. I'm fairly confident. The only question that I have is will another team jump them to get a quarterback before they can take one. That's the only real question that I have. Because they are a team that's going to take a quarterback. There's no question about it in my mind. No, I made up my mind with that as well. I think for them, it's a pretty simple blueprint, right? You have quarterback round one, round two, offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. You take the best available one. I completely agree. And I do want to ask you as well, have you heard anything? Because I know I have, and I'm curious to see if we're on the same page. Have you heard anything to suggest where Carolina are leading if they are going to go quarterback? It's kind of been a little while earlier. I think I told you where I heard a lot of Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett. Mm -hmm. I think they saw Malik Willis and had him in their building. And now it's a little bit more. I haven't heard anything in a long time about them, to be quite honest with you. I think they had Malik Willis in their building and they're like, okay, we, we might have a decision on our hands. But I think the ties with Matt Rule and the familiarity he has with him, as well as the, the owner Tepper placing his faith in Matt Rule. I think Rule will kind of have the, the final say here. Yes. If I had to place a wager on it, I would say Kenny Pickett. Just not, I'm not saying that I heard anything, but it's just kind of like reading the tea leaves here for me. Yeah, I haven't heard much about it in a while. Um, what I have heard is that they were very, very impressed by Malik Willis when he was in their building. So, yes, there is a decision that has to be made there. I agree with you as well that I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a Matt rule decision regardless, but what I think he does do, I think that he goes for the guy that we know is NFL ready in yep, week one. That is a starter yep. and who is going to be the guy that potentially saves his job. It's Kenny Pickett over Malik Willis. Malik Willis is not that guy with you have one year to save your job. 
Malik Willis is not going to be the guy that saves you this year. Kenny Pickett could be the guy that saves Matt Rule this year. Yeah, uh, perfectly well said. I hate that fit for Malik Willis, too. I do, too. Hate that. I do, too. I think it's a great fit for Pickett. I think it's a great fit for their best offensive player, if he could stay on the field, in Christian McCaffrey, who all Pickett will have to do is just be competent enough, get Christian McCaffrey the ball, and let McCaffrey do his thing, pending he could stay healthy. All right, the Falcons. Uh, they oh. need a receiver. They need a receiver. They need a linebacker. They need an edge rusher. I would. They need a corner as well. A quarterback. I, would, I was going to say, I would not sleep on them potentially being in the running for a quarterback. Interesting. Um, I, it's funny because I haven't really heard a ton. Like, Neither have I. Uh, they're, they're like a weird team. Honestly, I would kind of lean more towards receiver for them because they are just yeah. so bad. Like they don't even have a pet. Like you get a rookie quarterback. Well, what is he working with? Nothing. 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 I think maybe in the second round with two seconds, it's kind of interesting to see if maybe Sam Howell falls. Yes. Or one of those other guys, maybe like a Ritter. But I would say receiver for them. Receiver or edge rusher. Two names to watch, in my opinion, are in the first round. This is is Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, who's a lot like the guy they just well didn't get rid of, but. Is suspended for a year. Suspended, whatever. Is he's very similar to Calvin Ridley, or like a Jermaine Johnson off the edge, a guy like yeah. that that can come in right away and get get to the quarterback. Yeah, we had that. We had the report come in at the end of the show uh, last week, where uh, Garrett Wilson was being discussed in Atlanta with with the Falcons, and that doesn't surprise me. They they, would they, be, they yeah. need receivers. They have to have a receiver but, in the first or the second round. Have to. Let me tell you something. Like I hate to get off top, they would be doing the Jets a massive, massive favor if they took Garrett Wilson off the board. Massive uh, favor. Yes, yes, because Jamison Williams is better than Garrett Wilson, and I have no problem saying that. Yeah, they would be doing them a favor. Uh, <laughs> back to back to the NFC South. You would be doing cartwheels knowing that there is no possible chance that Garrett Wilson would would be a jet if he goes at number eight. Uh, the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, they have two first-round picks, 16 and 19, so two opportunities to improve their team. Uh, before we get to the needs, Jake, just a simple yes or no, then we'll get to the needs. Do the Saints have two first-round picks on draft night, yes or no? Yeah. I think they do. I don't uh, think they trade up. If they trade up, I think it's for a tackle, but I have a weird feeling Charles Cross will fall in this draft. I don't think he'll go as early as people think. I'm not a Charles Cross guy. So. No, I'm not. I'm not a hater, but I think he's a lot of what the Saints need, though. Like him and pass protection is not a problem for me. Like I, I question the physicality and the finishing, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think 16 makes a ton of sense. I am a hater on on cross. I I, I will yeah. say I'm I'm not a fan. That's me with Trevor Penning, to be honest with you. I really I, yeah. You don't yeah. get it. You don't get it with Penning. I see, I see some in Penning, but I don't I don't understand the top twenty consideration with Penning. Yeah, that, but that I, I don't understand. But it's with the, the Saints, with, with the Saints though, like tell me this wouldn't be a great start for them. Charles Cross at sixteen, or Trevor Penning, whatever your taste is. Sure. And then at, and then at nineteen, how about Drake London or 
Traylon Burks or, or Chris Olave. They, I just think they may, Olave makes sense because maybe that'll like make Michael Thomas want to show up and play football, knowing that a fellow Ohio State Buckeyes with him. Sure. Even if they didn't, I don't even know if they, I don't think they crossed paths. No way, right? No, they didn't. But so, yeah, I, I think receiver and, and tackle. And with this offense, with Jameis Winston at quarterback, I think that makes a ton of sense, bro. Maybe, maybe linebacker as well, but I don't know. It would really set off some alarm bells if they do all that wheeling and dealing, give up a future first round pick just to take a Devin Lloyd at 16 or at 19. Uh, Yeah. It makes me think that at like, let's just say it's weird. I I think trading up to five makes sense. If you want to tackle or a quarterback, I completely agree. And the giants, the giants should be all over that. If that is the case. Because then the Giants can just trade out a seven or sixteen and get. Right. I think I think the Giants want picks for next year. Yes, so as they should. It's weird though. I mean, if you're the Saints, why do you make that trade before the draft like that? Like I have no idea. Another move has to be coming, right? I. That was what we said when the trade went down. You and, and I both said it. It has to be for a quarterback, but everything that I've heard is suggesting otherwise, which I don't get it. No, I just don't get it. It makes absolutely no, no sense, sense to me. It really as is. So why they just decided to, hey, not my football team. My football team would never, but they have done it before. Uh, the Bucks, the 13 and 4 Tampa Buccaneers, they may need a quarterback. Oh, wait, no, Tom Brady is back. So they're just going to be adding to the riches that they already have. Um, I think they probably could use some guard help. Defensive tackle is a need for them. We mentioned Devontae Wyatt potentially in Jack in Tampa Jones. Bay. Josh Jones as well. Uh, if he would, if he's going to fall that far, maybe Jordan Davis. But I think they would have two of the same with Vita Vey and Jordan Davis. No, 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 no. Um, and secondary, secondary. I think they need some help as well. I, I definitely it screams to me that whomever the best corner is on the board that's probably the way they're going to go unless there is a guy they have ranked so highly that falls into their lap like for example a Devonte wyatt that they just snap at it and say okay we'll add another guy to our front seven and that's it two needs that i think they will definitely address yes guard absolutely i have a weird feeling they take a pass catcher whether that be a running back or a quarterback or quarterback. I don't know why my mind's all over the place. A running back You're hungry. Or, you need dinner. or receiver. Exactly. A running back or receiver with, with one of their first two picks, like guys that, that really stick out to me, like Jahan Dotson. I mean, I, I know you're not a Dotson. We talked like Dotson's a guy that, but, but Jahan Dotson with Tom Brady. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Like late in the first round like that, or Christian Watson. Can you, I was that? literally about to say, what about your boy, Christian Watson? Oh my God, and you you would have a smile, yay wide. I mean, I, I, I it doesn't really bring me joy seeing Tom Brady succeed. I don't hate <laughs> the guy, but I don't know, like, but I mean, can hey, you imagine? You would, have, that? you would have an opportunity to be proved right on Christian Watson, and I, I think would, I would have a good one. I th- and I think being proved right is more important than than you know your allegiances, your not allegiances to to Tom Brady. Yeah, so exactly. And honestly, we talked about this a while ago. Is Can you imagine James Cook with Tom Brady? 
Oh, my life. I think they do take another running back, though, which might not be the best news for Leonard Fournette fantasy managers. Mm, I would be in the same boat because right now, what do they have? They have Fournette. They Giamani have Bernard, which Keyshawn is relevant. Vaughn, and they have Giamani Bernard. Oh, well, Vaughn played pretty well at the end of last year, but I think without Bruce, Ar- Bruce Arians was a big Keyshawn Vaughn guy. I don't know if you always, yes. he always went out of his way to say, well, this could be the year always. for, for mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn. We would always sit here and laugh. We'd be like, okay. Yep. Oh yeah. It happened more times than not. Bruce Arians was Pinocchio when it came to uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> oh God, Bruce Arians. We held up, we held out hope for, uh, for, for Keyshawn Vaughn, but it, it just, it never did come to fruition now, did it? Nope. So that is going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Um, Like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday when we are covering the corners. So Derek Stingley, Sauce Gardner, Trent McDuffie, all going to be covered on that episode, including the needs of the NFC North. Hint, hint, there are a few teams in the NFC North that could really use a corner. We'll get to that on Wednesday. So for Jake, I'm Bird. Thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. Catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.